episode 40, 3D runner expert and four-foot convert. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, and today we hear Dr. Janet Yu Perspective. For doctors who want a thriving practice and abundant home life, listen as your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, goes behind the curtain and interviews doctors and guests about real-world triumph, struggles, practical tips, and entertainment on this episode of A Doctor's Perspective. Thank you for tuning back in. We got a great show for you today. But first, what do you think about the new logo? Should I keep it? Should I go back to the other one? And another question. You know, each week I try to do a travel photo and put the logo, put their picture, put the show notes on, you know, the show title on there. Uh, what do you think? Should I just quit that? And if you check Facebook, uh, any of the past guests, you'll see that I put the lab coat logo and I just put their picture and decorated that instead of a travel photo. So let me know which one you like better, which one, you, you know, that way I can uh, save my time if nobody wants the travel photos. It's your show. So help me help you. Today's guest is Dr. Janet you. She goes into a drawn out injury that she had that forced her to learn what forefoot running is and then become an expert at running injuries and doing mobilization mods and analyzing motion. And we'll go over some software that she uses and dive into what's a virtual run because I didn't know what that was. So a doctor's perspective.net slash four zero for the show notes. Let's go hashtag behind the curtain. Live from China. Welcome back to the show today. We have a doctor of physical therapy who specializes in all things running. New mom, still works, still runs, blows your mind. Her name is Dr. Janet Yu. Welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you? Doing fantastic. It is 11 o'clock at night for me. So. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, ni hao and wan yeah. means good yes. night. <laughs> all right. So let's just jump right in. How did you decide to become a physical therapist? There's so many things you could be. Why that? Well, so I was a runner for a very long time. Um, I really liked kind of the medical profession. I liked helping people. Um, of course, being in, in and out of injury as a runner, I got exposed to physical therapy side of things, um, physical therapy, athletic training, and chiropractics. And actually, what was interesting is the person that got me into physical therapy is a chiropractor. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was um, one of my coaches in college. Her, uh, She worked for a chiropractor. I would go visit her quite often, kind of hang out in his clinic. And he, at, at the time, because I was very sporty, I wanted to do athletic training. And he's like, you know, you might like physical therapy. I have a friend you can go shadow. I'll give you his contact information. So I got his contacts, got set up, and I really like what I saw. So, yeah, I went and just changed my routes from just general bio um, pre-med, straight into uh, kinesiology, pre-professional, into physical therapy. That's interesting because, you know, <laughs> part of these chiropractic groups online, and oh my goodness, if they knew who this name was, they'd probably roast him so much. <laughs> I How know, could you right? possibly recommend our most uh, complete competition that you can imagine, like, yeah. <laughs> to go to physical therapy? Because you can, yeah. you know, as chiropractors, we're like, we can do everything they do. And they're like, yeah. well... I don't know about that. And yeah, you're like, of course. And it's funny because people are like, a chiropractor recommended you to do physical therapy? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> he's That's great. Wild. He's, he's really great. So, Actually, but personally, I can, rec I can understand that because – you know, there's some challenges that we have that you're not going to have. So yeah. that's a whole other conversation, but that's awesome that that's how it played yes. out. Yes. So you're a runner. Mm -hmm. You had some injuries. I've had, yes. 
what is going on with that? What did you have? Well, so it, what was interesting is back in 2009, I, I was vacationing down in Costa Rica, having a good old time. I thought it'd be great to run outside and and feel the warm rain on my skin because we get cold rain here in California. And when I ran outside, I thought my hotel room door was closing on me. So I slept right on the marble tile that oh. was out there onto my back. Um, unfortunately, at the time, I was still in grad school. Um, so what it was was I went to school in L.A., um, but I had an internship in San Francisco. My school was like, uh-uh, if you want medical care, you got to come back down to L.A. I was like, oh, that's not going to happen. Yeah. So I um, saw a chiropractor. He adjusted me several times, and it, it worked out pretty well for the time being. And, of course, as stubborn as runners are, I had pain for about a week. And I kept running after that. And at the time, I didn't know it, but I adjusted my form and just kept running. And um, like I said, my uh, internship was in San Francisco, right next to the ocean. So I'd run on this pathway that was covered in sand, and that was excellent. So I'd step on the sand path patch and just be like, oh, this really hurts. But just keep going. Months later, I had pain in my SI joint in my low back there. Um, turned into uh, probably four months after that, turned into extreme quad tightness. And I, I thought it was, it felt like I was telling people, it felt like I had compartment syndrome in my quad. Um, and then I kept running, of course, thinking it's all in my head. And, you know, I, I went to physical therapy. They gave me a lot of glute strengthening exercises. It helped maybe, um, but it turned into a foot tingling calf tingling i actually um about two three years after that it turned it would turn colder and it was cold outside so almost a years. little bit of years down the road and just last uh last year in 2016 i decided hey um you need to do a restart i saw an actually an osteopath when i was living in indiana my fiance was over in indiana for school and i went with him and he um thought that prolotherapy would help and that's mm. just the sugar alcohol injections that help strengthen or stiffen up the tissues by creating scar tissue. Um, I did that and he actually, after about five treatments of that and giving maybe so-so benefits, he's like, let me check your muscle imbalances. So I had to lay on my stomach, straighten my knee and clench my glutes independently. So he did one side first and then the other. And on my injured side, which is my right side, I couldn't do it at all. And this couldn't is squeeze weird. Your glute. I couldn't. I I just had poor um, synergy of muscles. It just wasn't the timing of the muscles weren't right. I could barely hold it. I got it up and I held it for like a second, and just all the muscles fizzled out. So um, that was the point where I was like, okay, I need to work on this, like big time. So I started doing that exercise, and then added some weights. I transferred that over to more of a um, like stairs and step ups, and from there I in incorporated that kind of like strength the knee, um, squeeze the glute back, um, right. and squats and lunging, and that kind of developed more of a strengthening program. And right. in regards to running, um, like I said, pretty much it was January 2016. I was like, okay, start over, run a mile a day, and think about what your body is doing. And I actually took that principle of, okay, what are your legs doing while you're running? 
And I did feel a difference. So my left side, the surgery was pretty good. My leg went, came back, my hip extended, my glute fired. On my right side, it was kind of like my quad took the brunt of everything. I landed right on it. And you can um, feel it. And I can feel it. And um, so my focus over 2016 um, was to keep my abs tight, which actually what was interesting is I can feel my left side stay tight. My right side, I can actually feel it kind of um, tilt, anteriorly tilt there a little bit. So I actually had to pull it. Yeah. During that first several months, I had to work on actually pulling it back up so it was level with my other side and work on just almost pedaling my knees, that strain out your knee, get your glute working, and just pulling it. And um, So that was January 2016, and by September, I was able to run 13 miles, and that was the longest I've ran without pain in six years. So that's not that. I mean, that's a long time. I mean, that's yeah, like, six years is a long time. And, you know, I went and saw Stanford doctors and, uh, you know, other medical groups here in the Bay Area. And everybody had, failed you. Yeah, that happened. That's kind of crazy. Part of the reason why I just decided to focus on running and develop this 3D runner thing, because I felt like I went to a lot of people and they had more of the well, let's inject you with a bunch of injections. And so I've had um, cortisone injections in my back, I had epidurals, I had hip injections, and none of it helped. And when it came down to it, it was basic biomechanics. What yeah. was I doing? Yeah. So um, it really did help that in the middle of all that, I was talking to an undergrad professor of mine um, who is a biomechanics instructor. And he <laughs> became, from when I went to him, he was more into golf. Now, about 15 years later, he's become a runner and he's promoting forefoot running. And that got me thinking. And so not only have I, um, you know, thought about my core, but thought about what my feet were doing in regards to forefoot running. And that's a whole other, another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, nine months of recovery, like we don't yeah. want to think that it would take us this long to get better, but it just tells you, you might've only went to the doctor whatever, like for a month or two, but it took you nine months of physically training. Yeah, it really did. It really did. And that's why I tell people, you know, when you have an extended injury, like mine, six years or so, or even on and off injury, because I have a feeling that um, even if you have one injury, when it's not taken care of, it can manifest in different injuries, right? Like because you're weaker in your glutes, one month you can have knee pain, and you think you have that figured out, and then six months down the line, it could manifest as hip pain because you just adjusted your body so yeah. that you didn't you feel adapt to the crappiness. Exactly. So, um, and you ended up having foot pain too. I did. I did. Yeah. Well, that you, was me because I decided that it would. Um, I noticed during all this that I really lacked lateral hip movement. Mm. So kind of that side bending where you bend side to side. I was like, oh, I'm really stiff leaning to my left. So my right-sided hip did, couldn't go. So I decided to force my hip to land and just force my body to um, accept the weight in that lateral motion. And, um, <laughs> well, that caused lateral foot pain. So pain in my pinky toe. Oh. Um, yeah, so I, of course I stopped doing that. It all came down to strengthening. I didn't have enough strength, I believe, yeah. in my glutes. So it wasn't loading properly because the strength component wasn't there. So my, 
I want to say just the body inherently knows to stiffen itself when um, the strength isn't there because it's providing inherent stability for the body. Yeah. That's real interesting. I mean, I'm I'm thinking about your case. You know, I'm a chiropractor, obviously, and so I'm looking at it and thinking, you could have done Trendelenburgs, you know, the the hip would have dropped. There's so many – it seems like there have been so many orthopedic tests – internal and external hip rotation you'd be like wow you're really locked up here there's no tone in this glute when you poke it yeah what but was then- interesting was my left side function was i guess on our manual muscle test on the table my yeah. left side was worse than my right side my injured side was my right side uh-huh. um so it was just kind Burned of it, yeah and I, I was given a bunch of exercises but i think that's our problem right now in physical therapy is we don't we haven't bridged the gap between these um, j- table exercises, you know, the basic clam exercise, which is, um, you know, you open up your knees, um, your sideline hip abduction where you lift your leg up from the side, your right. bridges, those types of exercises into more functional exercises. Yeah. Well, that, does, that takes a lot more effort, I would think, on our part when to, to go to that next level. Like it's easy just to get involved with insurance billing and uh, – Here's the protocol for blow back. Here's the protocol for it. Yeah, yeah. We're not straying from this unless yep. there's a reason. And you just kind of get, because you're thin, you're still running. Yeah. You're like, yeah, it must not be that bad. Yeah. <laughs> no. She's just complaining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was for a while. I really thought with all this too uh, beforehand that it was, it was all my head, right? Like, that's why I kept running. I had a friend who's also PTAM. He was like, it's in your head. I'm like, oh, okay. Let me just it keep running. It hurts to run 13 miles, duh. Yeah, yeah. So that's the head like, part. Yes, exactly. So, no, what's this forefront? Is that like a runner's term that I should know about if I was actually running. a runner? Um, so you know, there's the heel striking camp where when you run, you land with your heel, and um, or on your you know just kind of heel first, and then you kind of roll through. Yeah. And um, a lot of consensus consensus with that is what it does is it it load your body properly well people think that that's what your body naturally does i think so they just hey just go with what your body knows however my perspective in a lot of research shows that when you do that there's actually a breaking force with that Mm. where your heel hits your body has to break um your body technically is leaned backwards when you hit heel first right and so what that does is if you Imagine the line of force that goes right through your quads. Your quads actually do a lot of the work. So mm. that, yeah, that leads into a lot of your patella tendonitis, your quad strains and whatnot. And, of course, forefoot running is more um, landing on the front part of your feet, okay. um, landing more on the balls of your feet or whatnot. I usually do somewhere in the middle, midfoot, um, kind of just land almost like my foot's completely flat when I land um, down. Oh, as wow. opposed to here or here. Yeah. And so what that does um, is that allows me to get my body a little bit more upright and even actually slightly forward. And that helps um, to util- utilize gravity um, in your benefit because when you're slightly leaned forward, you know, running is just kind of controlled falling, right? So when you're slightly leaned forward, you're having gravity help push you forward. And when you're slightly forward, the center or the line of force Go straight through your body. Your core gets to work a little bit better, and your glutes get to work a little bit better. So hmm. that's my take on forefoot versus heel strike. I know there's lots of different 
opinions out there on that. So uh, people, it's maybe not necessarily for everybody, but yeah. it's an option to try. It's an option to try. And I think part of it is with, if you have been a heel striker and you're trying to go into forefoot, that's what took me so long, the nine months, is because you have to develop those muscles. And so um, the shin splints and IT band sounds like it might be quickly get hurt. Yeah, well, it's uh, shin splints and calf. Calf. Um, yeah, because you have to, there's a lot of calf component in there if your glutes are weak. So if mm. your glutes are weak, your calf has to, um, your calf and hamstrings both have to work a little bit more to take over the glute. Um, weakness that isn't there. They both kind of work to extend the leg back okay. as you're running. Um, so that's that's why it took me about nine months because I was not only trying to get all my muscles working in order, but trying to change from heel striking into forefoot striking. Um, and I think the people who do get injuries, because that, that's the issue with forefoot running right now, is a lot of people just think, oh, let me just land on my forefoot well that isn't it because if you just only think about the forefoot component of it and your core isn't strong and you're still kind of leaning back a little bit um that's where i think the shin splints come from is when you try to land forefoot but your body is still back behind you then um your shins kind of absorb all that impact and you end up with shin splints and stress fractures and things like that of the foot and um lower leg and long-term runners aren't going to just say let me start back at one mile. They're like, yeah, we're going to do 10 miles flat foot, uh, four foot. Let's go. That took a lot of time investment, but you know, honestly, it was well worth it. It was well worth it. I've, um, like you mentioned, I have a kid. So around last year, September, I mentioned was when I ran 13 miles and that was also when I found out I was pregnant. Oh man. I was able to run up to about seven months pregnant. And from there I decided my body had enough. So I did a walk jog program, but I was cleared by my um, OB to run one month postpartum. So I started running one month postpartum and I I started pretty much square one again, one mile every day. It really bothered me um, at the time. I mean, it was, it was a struggle to run one mile at the time, just every day. And I believe that was the month of June, one mile, it was one mile a day for 10 days. And then I kind of built upon that. And now I'm approaching five months postpartum. I'm running. Um, I've ran up to ten miles already um, mm. at about eight thirty pace, eight minute mile pace. I think was my fastest at ten miles. So, so pretty uh, slow. No, I'm just yeah, kidding. yeah, exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm like a twenty minute mile. Don't worry. But <laughs> I'm messing um, with so you. I, I think it was, and during that first month of being postpartum, I went back to doing all that thinking about what my core is doing, how my body is landing. So I really think that the nine months of investment last year really helped to um, build a foundation so that I was able to return postpartum. Um, you, you know, did you feel like your body was wrecked after pregnant, after you had a baby? Did it just... You know, I was pretty lucky. Um, I even talking to my, to my uh, nurse at delivery, she's like, this was a pretty... Yeah, a textbook delivery, which what she called it. Uh, was, yeah, because I'm strong in all the areas that are supposed to be strong yeah, normally so, that you I don't think, see anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that um, because I was so focused last year in those nine months of um, we developing my body, that that really helped build my muscles. And that's not to say that I didn't have back pain after delivery. I did. 
definitely did have back pain. And that was, I was, you know, I had to tell myself, okay, wait, what is your back doing? What is your core doing? Mm-hmm. You know what to do. And um, so, yeah, for, for the good months, it was, it was a struggle for about a month or two for me. Um, I know some people have um, struggles a little bit longer. Some people have struggles actually a little shorter. Um, I actually started walking maybe three or four days post-delivery. And mm. where I live, it's just very mild inclines. We're talking about like 1%, 2% grades, not much. But my body felt that incline of going uphill. It was a struggle. And then coming downhill, I remember my first walk, my legs were almost wildly coming back down this, you know, 1%, 2% decline. I was like, what's what happening? with me? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, but I think it worked out well. Yeah. When you're, when, if you had a patient that was like, okay, I want to switch over to forefront, do you need to make sure that they are using some kind of a, there's a million different massage tools out there, but after working out, doing some sort of self-care on the calf so that doesn't get so tight, potentially Achilles ruptures or anything? Yeah, definitely. I, you know, I like the lacrosse ball actually for the calf. Okay. Um, You know, it's a heart, it's a tennis ball size ball, but a lot harder. Um, I like using that, you know, that really gets into it. Uh, foam rollers, of course, are great. But I do recommend that for the calf so that you don't get the Achilles tendonitis and whatnot. But like I said, if you have that good core strength, which takes time, which is why I recommend a very slow start, you yeah. shouldn't really have that calf tightness. Okay. Your whole body should really be able to absorb the impact of running forefoot. So what I'm gathering so far is if you are having any kind of running issues – Maybe Forefront could be for you. Maybe YouTube a few videos to learn the the kinetics or go to your physical therapist to find yeah. out. And just table the ego. Table how much you've actually run and start with a mile or a half a mile if you're not a runner yeah. at all. Start small, start slow, and progress yeah. at, and at, so as you go. Exactly. And so the research out there shows that if you're trying to switch to forefoot, so that you can really only maintain that form for about 20 to 30 seconds. And your body is going to naturally want to go back to what it's used to. So okay. what I do recommend is, um, you know, run that mile. But every two minutes or so, every minute or so, just, okay, how is my body feeling? How am I running forefoot? Are my abs tight? Am I leaned forward? You know, things like that. Because you really can't maintain that for even a mile when you first start out. Okay. So it's like being conscious, like interval training. Obviously not to the intensity, but just always having to be like, all right, it's been 30 seconds. Let me rest for two minutes. Let me do it again. And just kind of maybe set a time frame. Like for 10 minutes, I'm going to do this. Yes, exactly. It's I, even to this day now that I'm running ten miles on my easy runs. I'm always thinking about form. Of course, I think about it during my long hard runs, but I don't have to be so aware. It, you know, my form usually comes, but my easy runs are the runs that I really try to focus on training my body to um, to really have that good form, so that when I when I do run hard, it comes a little bit more naturally. And I can really focus more on the hard workout aspect of it as opposed to the form aspect. What's the point of running so much? <laughs> I mean, I don't understand. <laughs> I know, right? I actually, yesterday I was out running um, really early in the morning. I actually, I left my house at 7 a.m. And I yeah. saw one of my, my stroller mom pals, but she, she was running solo. But she had started at 5.30 in the morning. By the time I saw her, she was at mile 10 already. But, you know, I think it's a peace of mind, right? You get your solo time or 
Um, you know, sometimes I run with my friends and it's a way to catch up. It's nice okay. to get some fresh air out here. Um, set some goals. Um, I'm actually participating in a half marathon in two weeks. I'm running the San Jose Rock and Roll Half Marathon. So it's having some personal goals, I think. Okay. Why not the full thing? Oh, I'm not full crazy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I went, I want to say it was in Thailand and in mm. Singapore, just sightseeing and everything. Literally walked a half marathon both days. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was just like very sore the next day, but doable. And I was like, you know, I don't, it, other than like the time frame, I was like, I could totally do a half marathon. Just, let's just go. You should get out there. Just give me a there's camera. A Hong, there's, there's a Hong Kong half, right? I think there's one out there. There's got to be. There was a one in Kun, I'm in Kunming area. There was a. Okay, yeah. There was one here, but you don't hear about them. There was one like two hours away, around a lake. Oh and they're like, God. oh, in China it's, they fill up so quick. You know, there's calling. limits. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my little so town. I didn't realize you know a billion of us ran. Yeah, <laughs> so many run that they just they fill up so quick. I was oh, like, I'm oh, sure. all right, maybe they need to advertise a little bit better. And uh, well, if they're maybe, filling up so quick, they're probably like, um, you know, China I mean, holds. You know, don't don't come. We've yeah, got at least buy a t-shirt. Pretend that yeah. I did it. I'll well, do it so another day. The thing that's popular around in the U.S. right now is virtual running. What? It's interesting. Yes. Yes. So what you can do is you can sign up for runs and not uh -huh. live in the area. They still send you your T-shirt and medal. You just, you sh I guess you show them on your GPS or that the same day, same time, let's say you ran the half marathon in your own neighborhood or your local park, and you get your T-shirt and medal. Yes, I know. I know. I'm thinking I Google's in a truck or a 3D camera. And yeah. then you like you're broadcasting it at a the at a at a gym in in the theater oh, or something. And you're yeah. like, this is what you would be looking at. Yes, all right, they should, right? Wow. But I should have tapped into that. Can you imagine? Because that definitely allows you to have so many more runners, right, in yeah. your race, um, without having to um, have the um, city limits, right, of how many runners you can have in your event, and having to pay for police patrol and road closures and Man. all that. Yeah. I, know, I guess it depends on the thing. organizer's point of the race. Is it to make money or raise money for donations? Because then that does yep. make sense. You know, let's do the yep. Boston Marathon. If it's, I don't know what is a I mean, rock and rolls. I think are profit, right? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah it yeah. is. I mean, so could you imagine? I mean, I would imagine that works multiple ways, right? You definitely can make a little profit. You can donate more money. You get yeah. more runners what they want, which is maybe a t-shirt and medal. So it kind of benefits everybody. Because right? I can recall. In Colorado, because that's where I was practicing, mm -hmm. I don't know if it was March for Dimes March for Dimes or whatever it is. Oh yeah, that's but they had a race or a track, and it was supposed to be for twenty four hours. And whatever group you supply, you you sponsored, you're supposed to raise money, whether it's breast cancer or chemo for whoever, yeah. whatever issue you had. You had a group of people, and you would have enough people to run for twenty four hours, and you'd raise money in this. Oh, and it was yeah. just a football track field. And oh, you could wow. sleep there and everything. It's a really crazy <laughs> yeah. thing. So I don't know. Who, maybe they, somebody can understand what I'm talking about. Bridge those two together and all of a yeah. sudden you've raised a lot of money for whatever awareness. Um, definitely. Um, I know with the virtual runs, uh, with the storm, the hurricane that went through Houston, there were several organizations out there that did virtual runs to donate money for wow. Houston. So it is a big uh, fundraising effort too. Yeah. I mean, I know my school – 
was out of out of outside of Houston and they got a foot of water throughout oh every single building. That is so crazy. It was so crazy out there. And they don't have the money. I, I know chiropractic schools, they don't have the money to have a foot of water throughout the entire building. I no. mean, much less all of the buildings. So yeah, exactly. hopefully they can make it and insurance was was where it needs to be. So horrible. Well, tag on uh, Instagram is 3D Runner. So how have you incorporated all this running passion into, are you a private clinic or do you work with somebody else and how have you incorporated running so I just work that? private right currently I work private clinic pretty much I run my own studio at this point um and what the 3D runner was is I went through a fellowship program with the Gary Gray Institute that more talks about the nature like how our bodies work in three dimensions and a lot of practitioners kind of look one dimensionally especially you know, it, let's say giving exercises, right? You're squatting, you just go up and down, you're squatting. But right. let's say our body works in 3D. Let's say just unloading a dishwasher or picking up a child from the ground, you have this twisting element involved as you're squatting. So right. being able to, one, analyze those motions um, of squatting down to pick up a child, let's say, where you're twisting and turning, and being able to tease out from the bottom up or top down, depending on how you want to look at it, are the muscles and bones and joints moving like they should in timing fashion and um, being able to give exercises accordingly. So that's where the 3D aspect of it comes from is um, this Gary Gray Fellowship. Uh, it's called GIFT, um, Gray Institute of uh, fun uh, Functional Transformation. Um, and yeah, it's, it's it kind of makes you look at things a little differently. Yeah. Again, interesting. for, a, for a large group of people. So it is, um, you know, I had in my class, chiropractors, osteopaths, athletic trainers, um, personal trainers. We, we had trainers from, uh, that work with, uh, English premier league that was in my class, professional football leagues that were uh, American football leagues in my class. Right. So it was it's, it was a very broad spectrum of people. Oh, good. So and, it's and not from just all open over the to world physical therapy. Too. Yeah. yeah, from all over the world, too. I had people from Australia. It's a lady come from Peru. Wow. Yeah, so it was very – and this is all in Michigan. <laughs> wow. All these people coming to a little town in Michigan, but that's where um, Gary Gray is based out of. He's like, I'm not traveling, guys. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's wild. Okay. So there's a whole program with the top 20 or 30 or whatever uh, functional motions that most people are going to go through and have pain with. And then you've learned how to yeah. incorporate and change and, and challenge. And it's more um, just not even the motions itself. It's more just looking at the whole body and just being able to for whatever functional problem that a client or a patient has be able to tease it out. So we're, uh -huh. we would joke that we know how to squat in a thousand different ways, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, because part of that, too, is talking about um, movement drivers, what drives you to move, right? So what drives you to move your arm the way it does? It could be reaching for a cup of tea. It could be, you know, reaching to grab a child, reaching overhead to get dishes. So reaching up overhead like this is a lot different than reaching down here. So right. the muscles that are used are differently. So being able to cater to that. Yeah. I have to explain that to my, you know, my wife is my translator here and I'll, 
the, the patients get annoyed because I'm all like, well, what about this? Can you do this? Can you do that? And she's like, oh, can we stop? And I'm like, no, I'm trying to figure out why this person, quote, has frozen shoulder, you yeah. know, and what is it actually, like, you know, up, down, to the side? Yeah. Like, what are they doing every day? Because that's going to change how I'm going to treat you. Exactly. Exactly. It looks the same, but it doesn't. You know, it isn't. Yeah. It, there's a, you know, it, that just kind of opened my mind. This uh, fellowship opened my mind because it really just changes how you really look at function, mm-hmm. how the joints and how the body works, too. Sometimes we always ask these questions well, how do I prevent an injury? How do I always, you know, but what I'm going to think is we typically have an injury. How do we make rehab more efficient and you get more bang for your buck when you do have an injury and you are actually trying to get better? What, what are a couple, maybe a couple of tips to get the most out of rehab so you can get back out there and do the amount of miles that you want to do? Definitely, I, I think being consistent with the rehab is number one because I, I, feel that you know and I'm guilty of it too where you you do your exercises and it's not really part of your day you should make your exercises or your stretching routine part of your day and actually be have it more throughout your day too so that doing the exercises I think for let's say 30 minutes at a time and then not really thinking about how you're utilizing your body you know, yeah. there's 23 and a half hours left of the day. Uh, just being able to space out, kind of do your exercises, be, be, be mindful of what your body is doing throughout the day. Yeah. And also keep doing your exercises even after you think you're better. Yes. Because, you know, like I said, I'm guilty of this too, where I used to do this where I would feel a lot better. So I drop all my exercises and just go for running. So, you know, months later, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm injured again, right? So even though you feel like you're a little bit better, you still have to find time. You know, it might not be every day, an hour a day of exercises, but find time several times a week to where you go back to your basic exercises and feel how your body is doing with them. Are you able to utilize your glute muscles? Are you able to utilize your calf muscles just like before when you were in the height of your uh, rehabilitation process because we are creatures of habit we will you know after months of not thinking about certain muscle groups or not doing certain exercises you will go back to what your body wants to do yeah so. it's like that patient that takes blood pressure medicine and they're like oh i got better yeah so i exactly. quit taking it you're like no 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 you no, you, you, you have to you're a heart attack waiting to happen you need to be on this medicine yes exactly exactly okay okay when you talk about misconceptions, not just about physical therapy, but about maybe a runner-based or a functional type physical therapist, are there any misconceptions to the public that you would say, hey, this is what we're actually doing versus what you think we're doing? Yeah. Well, I, I think the one thing, of course, with physical therapy I get a lot of is, hey, can I get my massage? <laughs> yeah, oh, gosh, I hate that. <laughs> but um, so – usually yes sometimes soft tissue mobilization is part of the rehab process to help loosen up the muscle fibers loosen up the tissue so that you can utilize them utilize your muscles better but i technically if you're doing your program your exercise program your stretching program your muscles itself should loosen up enough to where you don't need this massage all the time right because you're using your muscles better they're stronger so that they don't have to stiffen up as much because to me uh 
stiff muscles are actually a sign of weak muscles. Yeah, so, they are. Yeah, so the stronger they are, the um, you won't have to feel the need to get them massaged all the time. So um, as much as I like to help people feel better and give them their massage, the strengthening portion and the stretching portion is also equally important. Yeah. Hey, real quick, do you use any software to evaluate runners or anything like that? I know there's like some really expensive equipment that you oh, can yeah. use. No, I don't really use big equipment for that. I, I honestly just, I, I do use a slow motion um, kind of software app. It's UberSense okay. or what is it called now? Huddle Technique, H-U-D-L Technique. And that just allows me to slow down the movements. I've actually used that for more than just running, like throwing if people have issues in the shoulder, elbow, and baseball throwing or football throwing. I've used that to help kind of slow down the motion a little bit and let me see what's going on. But as far as actually using it specifically to, you know, click buttons and get that, I, I just do that manually. I can... Okay. I can see what's going on right. with the runners without having to use all the fancy smancy stuff. Yeah. I saw an iPad up. It's more of a, well, they market the chiropractors, but they'll have a, um, I think it's called Posture Pro or Posture Screen, and you can mm -hmm. check them sideways and forwards, and you just tap a couple buttons. And you, yeah. If they have one high shoulder and the hips forward, you can just easily show the patient, like, hey, uh, that's your problem. But they have all these add-ons about, like, squatting. So when yeah. they squat... You know, you and I can see it, but if they can see it, all of a sudden it sells the package that you need. Exactly. To, you know, this is why you need six weeks of care and not two visits. Yes. I was like, <laughs> okay, so there's stuff out there to help. Yeah, for there is. And actually, I've, I think I, I did talk to a chiropractor last year, early 2016, and I think that's what he used on me. Was yeah. Uh, yeah so it was, it's interesting. It's really interesting. Um, but you know, like uh, with the runners that I work with. And using that slow motion app, I, I am still able to show them. It's not just, you know, the buttons and things like that. I just tell them this is – and the app allows me to have a side-by-side because -side I do give people oh, um, cues that should immediately change their form. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, so they're able to see their kind of what they're currently doing and what they look like when they have these cues in mind so that they see their form looks a little bit better. So Very cool. Yeah. Have you ever used biofeedback? No, there's like uh, electrical biofeedback where you can, uh, s you know, set it up on both glutes. And if you, if you don't hear the <laughs> beeping noise, you know you're not activated. And so that you yeah. can train them. You know, I thought about that, but I wasn't sure how people would feel with me sticking their their pads on their glutes. But um, I've used it mostly for uh, postural awareness, right, with upper, yeah. uh, upper trap uh, tightness, but not so much for glutes. Okay. Uh, this week's episode was a pelvic health, and she's like, oh. I'm grabbing penises, I'm doing different things. She's like, a lot of people just don't feel comfortable doing it. I was yeah. like, yeah, I bet. <laughs> yes, and, uh, you know, women's health is part of physical therapy, too. I have not, I have not trained in that sector. Um, but, yeah, yeah I, I don't know how I would. I think mm. it's almost comfortable as the person. My client is comfortable with it, I think. Yeah. Would that be I beneficial am. Like if you're – and I'm just curious, like if you're doing all of your continuing ed and you're like, you know, let me do one seminar in pelvic health because it seems like there's a lot of core, there's a lot of glute issues, there's yeah. a lot of whole that area. 
But if I learn some of the extra techniques in this area, maybe it'll help with, you know, with oh, runners yeah. or anything. Is there a benefit yeah, to that? It, oh, definitely. I personally have not done like women's health specifically where um, you learn, let's say, techniques um, postpartum or using um, different modalities um, in the vaginal area to check for uh -huh. muscle control postpartum or even with um, issues of um, incontinence and urgency. But right. I've had discussions with my colleagues about that. And I personally won't do, like, I don't do all that because I'm not up to yeah. that. Sentiment. But of course, exactly. But as far as core control, that more the orthopedic end of it, definitely it would be beneficial. So I've, I've thought about it, especially now being a postpartum female. <laughs> you take several classes in the postpartum awareness so that I'm able to maybe understand a little bit more, even though, yeah, I'm still not working on that end. The, uh, the modalities yeah. in the vaginal yeah. area, and that's a little bit over my head, I think. <laughs> Same here. I don't, I don't want any part of that. Even if I could, I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Do you have any uh, tips for students or maybe other people who are – looking to switch gears into maybe more of a running atmosphere, any tips or tricks to focus them better? Um, get as much exposure to running as you can, right? And try different things. I think trying maybe, now don't hurt yourself. Yeah. <laughs> trying, what, you know, just experiencing, if you want to go into running, what it does feel like to be more on your forefoot while you run. What it does feel like to be more on your heels when you run. What does it feel like when you tighten your abs and run? Just different things like that. If you want to do more running specific, if you want to be more of a physical therapist, I'd just say similar thing um, in a broader sense. Check out all the different settings. Check out what a hospital setting is like versus a private practice clinic. Um, there are specialties in orthopedics and sports medicine, which is what I mostly do. There is pediatrics and uh, neuro care. So I have lots of friends who are specialists in um, nerves and whatnot, or um, I would say more pediatrics and more, or let's say, uh, cardiopulmonary things of that oh. nature versus yeah. just strict type stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm going to get shunned for this one. If someone's like, I, you know, I like the idea of chiropractic, you know, cracking the back crack the neck, mm -hmm. people get better, but also like the whole rehab part of physical therapy. You can actually, as a physical therapist, become like, I don't know if it's fellowshipped or like lots of extra training on the manipulation at that point. Yeah. And you can actually have the respect and the ease of a, more of a, ease of a profession and more access to different uh, work environments. And you can still be specialized in manipulation and just be like, no, yes. 90% like of my patients get manipulation and they do physical therapy and I can work at a hospital or do whatever I want to do. Yeah. And you don't have the, the, the issues I think that some chiropractors might have. So. Yes. So, uh, yes, you can get specialized in um, manipulations. Technically, we're, it's all how you word it, right? So yeah. here, instead of manipulations, physical therapists, we have to use the words grade, grade five mobilizations. Oh, is that why you actually use that word? Like we don't use yes. manipulations either. I was like, that's a physical therapy way of saying an adjustment. Really? Yeah. Yes, we yes, do some well, nips. <laughs> yeah. Right. So the way I was told is technically we're not allowed to manipulate things. We're like the uh. We can mobilize them, so you have your different grades of mobilization. Yeah, so grade five it, is the. It pop. would be yeah the pop, 
<laughs> so um, that's when you, yeah. So when you see or hear grapevine mobilizations, that's more the what you would consider the manipulation or the adjustment aspect of. Um, I always cap- figured there had to be some sort of. <laughs> terminology don't step on my toes business so yes, that's what yes. it's called you <laughs> need a pubmed that then but yeah so you um yeah there are many people out there i i shouldn't say shy away from uh, grade five mobilizations i do do them for in the thoracic spine region so more uh-huh. in the um upper back ankles so the tail really? yeah just to get a little bit more dorsiflexion out of people yeah. Uh, a little bit more freedom. Those are the two big ones I stick with. Sometimes the knee where I do more the um, the uh, tib-fib joint there. Oh, yeah. Classic. The yeah. Just those. Um, like the neck, the low back. I kind of stayed away from a little bit more. Yeah. And especially like with the, like you're saying tib-fib, the ankle. Sometimes those could be like a nice strong grade four is mm-hmm. really all they need. They don't always have to have like, you know, that. Oh, yeah. You don't need that pump in order to get the results. <laughs> no. And I can't wait to go home because once I get back to the States, this this ankle I have is kind of bothering me. So I'm looking forward to a nice grade five distraction <laughs> pop. <laughs> it's probably going to just start moving like it's supposed to. Get, get your wife to help you out there. She can have an honorary grade yeah. five ankle, <laughs> ankle degree. <laughs> I tried to show her a couple of uh, like – we call them anteriors – I'm not even going to bother explaining it, but it's kind of easy, but it kind of hurts your hand if you don't do it right. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, baby, I don't want you to hurt yourself, but <laughs> here's how you do it. It's my favorite. Uh, any, you say you have a private practice, any top three, two or three marketing tactics that you use to recruit clients? Well, so usually I, I think just going out and talking to people, going to, let's say your local sports store. Um, for a while, I was really going to my local sports sto- store, talking to people at the run group, just kind of getting my way, um, my name out there with that. Uh, I'm part of a running group. So that helps a little bit too. And just, I think honestly, if you're passionate and you like what you do and you, you know, you know what you're talking about, right? <laughs> people will come to you. So I think just being out there, um, in the setting that you like. So, of course, with me being a runner, just going out to running groups and talking to them about what I do and um, just showing them different exercises and different techniques uh, really helps. Any five-year goals? Five-year goals to retire. No, I'm just kidding. Wow. <laughs> I'm in the wrong profession. <laughs> well, I know, right? No, I, I think just being able to be able to expand this a little bit more, being able to help more people you know, obviously with five, 10 year goals, I, I think it's just more to be able to get out there a little bit more and be able to help more people achieve kind of minimize their running. Cause I don't think I can ever eliminate running related injuries. Right. But to minimize, um, their running injuries and just being able to give people the awareness of how they can help themselves with their injuries. So it's kind of still kind of going on that steady path. Yeah. yeah. Being in San Francisco, that place I've heard is uh, uber expensive. <laughs> Does that really affect like how you practice or the size of space that you rent versus if you were to say, I got to get out of here and go to a small, you know, a different area to really yeah. expand your potential? So definitely smaller spaces, uh, you know, having pretty much a home studio is where I'm at at this point. So just having smaller spaces 
is and it's, it makes it a little bit more challenging but the nice part about san francisco is i i think um this area in particular san francisco i'm in san jose we get good utilization of our parks we have okay. I, I i heard somewhere where pretty much any resident in san jose or in the south bay area can walk to a park so oh. being able to take clients to a park and be able to even treat them there, right? Uh, hey, I'm going to meet you at this park and oh. watch your running form, and we can go for a run together. And being able to um, use the community centers that we have um, so that if, let's say, I don't want to be inside, you know, I can be outside and, and still do what I need to do to accomplish my goals and my patients' goals. Yeah. Really? I, that's a whole new idea. Yeah. You know, taking, yeah. It, taking it to the streets. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was funny because I, I, the last person I worked with, um, I did meet them at the community center here, and they must have been having like a senior center lunch or something. But you should have seen all the people coming by when I was checking their, their squat form and giving her cues. They were all, wow, what are they doing? <laughs> I, I got, we, we got the looks. <laughs> we got the looks. But it worked out pretty well. Do you happen to have any issues being young-looking and a woman and all that, does that affect your prospects or people uh, following through with your recommendations or anything like that? Uh, yeah, I, I guess I tend to be too nice. No. <laughs> but yeah, I think sometimes with being younger looking, I'm 37, by the way. So No way. You know what? Uh, I'm a lot You Chinese. Older. Am I 36? So I'm 37. Um, so yeah, so being younger looking has... You know, a lot of people are like, oh, she just graduated. You have, she has no idea. I remember actually uh, when I was about 32, I was working in an outpatient private practice. I had this older woman go, how old are you, 18? <laughs> Come on. She wasn't, she wasn't joking. She seriously was like, I want to see your driver's license. You have to be 18. I was like, okay, for, she, you know, she was very um, – uh, grateful uh, we were you know she was saying I was doing a good job but I was like I'm pretty sure I was 18 they wouldn't let me do this to you it unless has to be I'm at least 24 the, yeah unless I'm the uh, doogie hauser of PT right yeah <laughs> I think being a little bit more stern with people mm. and just being able to um like I said be able to be concise effective in what I do helps but I think think it's it is a little bit harder to, sometimes to get into let's say the people who do let's say need an older male to tell them what to do you know there's certain people that yeah that's why I was curious it. yeah that I, I feel like sometimes I do give suggestions and that just kind of and yeah it, I'm there's not those really biases that most you know a white male doctor just doesn't really typically have to deal with yeah and uh, you know my fiance is a white male and he just tells me you know if you're good at what you do, I will listen to you. And I was like, yeah, but I have to get you to come to me first, right? And he's like, I would come to you. I was like, you kind of have to come to me. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, baby. Yeah, thanks. So you had, and you had a baby at like 37. So that's kind of old, yeah. or older. Any yeah. issues with that? Uh, that I'm, I'm no problems? I'm fortunate to be pretty healthy, I guess. Yeah, no okay. problems. All right, I'm, I'll pass that on to my wife who's... <laughs> She's ready. <laughs> yeah. Core, She's ready to have kids. Like, Maybe you still got a few more years. <laughs> core strengthening. Core strengthening. Tell her to give her a good core strengthening workout. Get her to work her glutes and she'll come back. She's a yoga. My goodness. 
she's learning some new techniques. I was like, let me try that. I was like, oh, nope. Okay. You got me. Nope. Yeah. That's some serious core workout you got going on right there. Exactly. I, you know, I did did incorporate yoga into the um, pre-pregnancy routine. So yeah, she's she's got, she's got several years, right? So my, my friend had a baby at 42. 42. And she was pretty, yeah, her first and only. Wow. But she's doing excellent too. Not too much as far as physical, right? Not too much physical issues. You know, there's still the, hey, let's chase a kid around at 45. But, you know, we all have issues with that at any age. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I always think about that. This is probably another topic for another day. But I'm like, man, I'll be like 55 kids finally in college. Just like, wow, that's a difference that my friends who got kids (laughs) at 18 don't have to deal with. Like they're almost done yes. at this age, and I'm like, oh, let's get started. Yes, but we gotta we got to have fun and do whatever we want through our 20s and early 30s. Yeah, that's <laughs> right? right. Now we're financially travel. capable of having kids. Exactly. That's what we're gonna say. Exactly. All right. Travel, travel around the world. Which great segue, by the way. We're gonna switch to the more <laughs> personal. Do you are you able to take vacation? And if not, how are you able to do more of that? So, in regards to PT, yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty good about taking vacations. Typically, when you start out in any private practice, when you don't own your own clinic, right, You, uh, it's a two-week a year, and you usually get more as you spend more time in a particular clinic. So, usually, you get about two weeks a year or so of uh, vacation time. Um, I have not personally done this, but the way I've seen some colleagues do it is where they'll do a several 10 hour days and they'll get an extra day here and there. So as long as their, I guess their patient load remains the same per week, they can take that extra day here and there and extend out a weekend. Got a new kid. So obviously that's probably top of top of mind of where it is, but any kids volunteering hobbies that you find that really make you Mm -hmm. excited for the day? I think usually with, you know, the running and the blogging that kind of keeps me pretty occupied you know, usually when I volunteer, it's running related, right? For um, since on and off, I've volunteered at different groups. Um, it's it's been a couple of years now, but I volunteered with a group here in the U.S. called Girls on the Run, Ooh. where I was a coach in a grade school. It was third through fifth grade is what the group level I have, but I think they do it up to middle school where you meet twice a week with these kids as an after school program, and not only do you get them running, but it's um, a program on just a healthier lifestyle in general, Eat, uh, healthier eating, self-esteem, different things of that nature, talking to your friends about peer pressure. So it actually had a curriculum with it too. So that was a really fun, interesting program that I worked with before. Um, Is that nationwide or so, just select cities? I, I think it is nationwide. I think it just depends on, um, you know, just people starting up chapters. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Uh, but it was, yeah, it's a fun program. So I do that along with just more, um, of course, not so much for the baby, but medical volunteering at my local runs. Like I said, I've done, last year I was over at Western States 100, mm-hmm. where these, I call them crazy runners, <laughs> run from Squaw Valley, USA. So Squaw Valley where they had the Olympics down to Auburn. <laughs> it's 100 miles all on trail. Oh. It used to be, yes, it used to be a horse race. That was the history of this event. It was a horse race. And some guy way back in the day was like, I think his horse went lame and he decided to do it on foot. Huh. 
And that's how the running race started. You know, that's why their horses were made. That's why, <laughs> that's why cars were made, 100 miles. You know, I know people that have done yeah. it, so that it's doable. It's just that's, that's yeah. a feat that I don't want to y- tackle. Yes. Years ago, I was on the crew for Badwater. So running from Death Valley pretty much to Mount Whitney, that's 135 miles in July through Death Valley. Yes. Wow. I, I, I think it's lucky. I was lucky I was on night crew, so I never really saw the 120-degree temperatures during the daytime. But, oh, man, the desert time at night. You know, there were definitely wild animals out there, I, the glowing eyes out in the distance. Oh. I was like, okay, let's go back in the van. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not getting eaten my, today. My, yeah, my crew member and I we were waiting for a runner. We're like, nope, we're gonna go down the road a little bit, back in the van. <laughs> <laughs> Safety first. Exactly. Well, we're talking about significant others. We're talking about taking vacation. Two questions back to back: homework, life balance, and keeping the love alive. Any tips or suggestions? Just taking time together and just being able to, I think, ask for help too. I think a lot of us don't ask for help enough, but. Being able to ask for help, whether it's friends, family, neighbors. Hey, can you watch this kid for a little bit and we can go step out for a moment? So that kind of helps, especially. I'm, I still consider myself newly postpartum being approaching five months. Oh, yeah. Um, I think you just got this. Yeah. You just started figuring <laughs> it out. Exactly. And just, I think just being able to find balance in everything is, is good. Being able to say no to certain things, too. I think a lot of us have issues with saying no, yeah. but just being able to say no, prioritize um, what you need to get done through the day. Very good. Yeah. Last question. As far as books, podcasts, phone apps, do you have any f- secret favorites and some that you would just tell everybody, you've got to read this, you've got to watch this, you've got to play with this on your phone? Oh my goodness. So I'm so not computer savvy, so I don't really listen to podcasts. And I don't really play with apps, but of course, for like I mentioned, the app that I mentioned before, the running app or just movement, it's a slow motion analysis app. It's Huddle, Huddle, H-U-D-L, I don't even know how you pronounce that technique. You know, if you're interested in seeing what your running form looks like, you can just set up a tripod or have your friend or significant other record you run past several times, run away from you, run towards you, you can slow it down to one-eighth of the speed mm. and kind of see, uh, yeah, especially cause sometimes with these, um, you know, I, I use my iPhone. It can slow it down pretty in, well enough to see what your body looks like. And you can play with what you look like um, running or even throwing a baseball, kicking a, kicking a soccer ball. I know soccer is probably popular out there yeah. too. Kicking a ball, seeing how that looks too. So, that's usually the app that I play with. Is it expensive? Is that. Actually, it's free. Really? So it's a free app. There are certain things that are, um, you know, certain things that you can add on that right. cost you a monthly subscription. I think it's the ability to email your clients videos with overlays and just a bunch of different yeah. add-ons. And that could be definitely helpful depending on how you want to use it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Depending on how you want to use it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Any books before I books? I personally, I, I don't read books. Yeah. I, yeah. I do more the uh, physical therapy type. So, um, That's people fine. make fun of me. I actually had a friend call me, uh, what is it? Supple leopard because a physical therapist out in the States here, um, got big into CrossFit. I, 
I don't know if he was one to develop it, but that mobility wad, the mobility workout of the day, I think he was the one that coined the term. So oh. I really use my book, like create, uh, yeah, creating a supple leopard <laughs> is one of the books. So it, it's just a whole book on um, form and technique on pull-ups and deadlifting and um, a whole, so it's got a whole section on that and it's got a whole section on how to do your own mobilizations using those I call them the monster bands or super bands yeah. so people usually use them in the gym to do assisted pull-ups or whatnot but doing your own uh, self-mobilizations with that either hip elbow shoulder um, ankle it's a great resource um, it shows you yeah it shows you how to do all that so it's by Kelly Starrett um, S-T-A-R-R-E-T-T, -T, I believe. Okay. Yeah, or Becoming a Supple Leopard is the name of the book. Spell that, Supple Becoming, Leopard? Uh, Supple Leopard, sorry. Okay. Supple Leopard. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. So he has one specifically for running, which I think it's more of a condensed version. Yeah. Yeah, of that book. So that's what I use for a really long time. Um, you know, I would sh even show my patients and clients like, this is what you need to do. Yeah. So I'd get them pictures and whatnot. That's awesome. Yeah. How can people get in contact with if they need more information or want to learn more about you? Um, so I do have a website. <laughs> it's 3-drunner.com. Um, and that's, it was more the running analysis end of things, but that's, uh, they can email me through that. They have, I have a uh, different my biography is on there so you can learn a little bit more about me and what I do. Fantastic. Um, so there's that. And then, of course, my blog is 3drunner.blogspot.com. And that has um, different articles on um, forefoot running and running-related injuries such as patella tendonitis, you know, Achilles tendonitis, uh, postural, postural awareness things are on there too, especially now being a new mom and Doing this all the time where I'm hunched over my baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Being able to get my body upright again. Exactly. We'll have our own challenges when you, different yes. phases of life you have to overcome. Different phases of life. Exactly. Very good. Well, exactly. any closing remarks? No, it was great talking to you. I'm, Absolutely. I'm glad we were able to work this out. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. We had to reschedule once, uh, those things happen, oh so God. not a problem at all. You've you've given so yes, much to the audience today, and I really appreciate you uh, talking about your specialty. Thank you. It was great being here. Dr. Janet, that was so much fun. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for being so open and honest with us and sharing your journey. Really interesting with Forefront. If you need more, you can YouTube it. I'm sure you can find lots of good videos. And, and once you got the basics down, maybe go visit a chiropractor, visit a physical therapist, get them to analyze how you're doing it, and then Make some fine tunings. That way you don't create any injuries. You can check out the lacrosse ball, uh, this book that she mentioned, this app, Huddle Technique. It's by Ubersense. And please check out our website, doctorperspective.net slash four zero. Travel tips coming up next. Thank you for listening to the podcast, The Doctor's Perspective. Thank you for writing reviews on wherever you listen to it, ranking us five stars, hopefully. Listen, you all know I got a book out. I've been working on a version 2.0. Right now, if you buy it, send me an email with the receipt, and I can send you five bonus chapters. It'll just be this long PDF, but we're going to have some nerve stretches, creating and executing a budget, ways to cut expenses, optimal calorie consumption calculator fit directly for you, and some ideas about fasting. So if you want some of these bonus chapters before they're released in version 2.0, just send me that receipt via email. 
and I'll get them over to you. As always, we got some t-shirt designs for the logo, uh, for chiropractic. There's also a buy host a cup of coffee. Upgraded that. It's on the main webpage. And lastly, stay tuned. A secret project will be coming out. Definitely go to a doctorsperspective.net top right. There are all the social media icons. Pick which one you love to follow most. Friend me, like me, say hello. I'll definitely respond back. The travel tip this week, I haven't used it, but there's a website called stayful.com, S-T-A-Y-F-U-L, and it books boutique hotels. When I was traveling abroad, you know, we we stay at local hotels, but there's even more local. They're like cute. They're boutique. You know, they may only have four or five rooms available. They usually have some sort of theme. They might be a little more expensive, but then you get this whole like vibe that you're just not going to get at a normal, you know, hotel. So stayful.com. Check them out. Let me know what you think. We just went hashtag behind the curtain and this episode has come to an end. I hope you got the right dose for your optimal life. Please spread the word about this podcast by telling two friends, sharing on social media and visit the show notes on a doctorsperspective.net to see all the references from today's guest. A sincere thank you in advance. You've been listening to Dr. Justin Trosclair, giving you a doctor's perspective.